1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America a member FDIC. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's deputy editor and podcast host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cuckoo writers, and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes, where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. I'm delighted to welcome Irina Georgescu to the podcast. Irina is a food writer, teacher and author specialising in the cuisine of her Romanian heritage. She has written two books, Carpathia, Food from the Heart of Romania, and her latest Tava, Eastern European baking and desserts from Romania and beyond, which we were thrilled to be able to feature in a recent issue of Olive magazine. Welcome, Marina. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming to chat to us today. So before we get into your 10 things, could you start by sharing a bit about yourself and your journey in food and how you ended up doing what you're doing today?
0: Of course. I was born in Bucharest, the capital of Romania, And I moved to the UK 15 years ago. And it's actually here that I discovered uh, the love for traditional Romanian cooking. Because at home in Romania, it is traditional to learn to cook from, you know, your parents or grandparents by helping them in the kitchen, cooking together. We don't really think uh, too much about it. So... When I moved to the UK, I, of course, first thing, I discovered the wonderful British cuisine. Uh, <laughs> no, it's I didn't know much about it. And I also discovered a lot of things in common, a lot of similarities with Romanian cuisine. And I started to cook uh, Romanian dishes and British dishes and... I actually the first thing that happened to me was to I was uh, I realized I missed Romanian festive dishes especially the those dishes at Easter and Christmas where tradition and even religious traditions um, intertwine with food. So I started to cook Romanian dishes for you know on those occasions and for my family here and for my friends. And I realized that they were very intrigued by our dishes and by Romanian cuisine in, in general. And this created a huge opportunity for me to put everything in, in a book. Well, in two books now, so far, <laughs> well, fingers crossed, in two books. Um, I realized that people didn't know much about Romania, didn't know much about our cuisine. And I also had to myself uh, had to look uh, from a different angle at my own traditional dishes and family dishes from a history point of view, from the context, and not necessarily an only a family context, but as I said, an historical context. So all of a sudden I started to study and to relearn, obviously, some part of uh, Romanian history. And this is our uh, this is how my my first book Carpathia um, came about.
1: Let's jump into your to your 10 things about Romanian food and cooking. Um, we're in January now and it's a time when a lot of us are, are ditching the meat. Um, and people might be surprised to learn that Romania has a tradition of embracing vegan and vegetarian dishes. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, it is it is true. And I think this is uh, one of the first things that um, intrigued my friends and also uh, my, my readers uh, is that we have plenty of vegetarian and vegan dishes. And this is, first of all, because we have a lot of Lent days. We need to observe Lent. If we really want to to observe Lent for almost 180 days a year, so and this is half of the year basically not yeah, all of yeah. them in the same time. Well, yeah. you know, you know, well, one after another because that would be crazy. Yeah. But <laughs> if we really want to observe Lent, traditional Lent, then 180 days would be like vegan and uh, vegan food basically, because in my view there is a difference between Lent and fasting lent is when you don't eat any meat any eggs cheese dairy yogurt sour cream things like that and also some people in romania they don't even eat any kind of fat even if it's vegetarian fat so they are, they don't want to eat any like vegeta- use any vegetable oil or corn oil or anything like that because they think it's fat and it's not in the spirit of Lent but um, and, and fasting is when you don't eat anything for a certain a period of time during the day, but when you break that fast is you are allowed to eat anything. So meat, eggs and stuff. So in Romania, we eat, um, we observe Lent and there are days usually Fridays when you can also fast. So you don't eat anything. But when you break that fast and it, it, when it's Lent, when and then you break that fast, you can you also need to avoid any meat, dairy, eggs and so on. So it's very complicated. Yeah. <laughs> so you basically just starve for a hundred and eighty yeah, yeah, days. Say, yeah, just <laughs> what
1: what would be a couple, what would be like a typical um dishes that you would a vegan or vegetarian thing that you would eat during Lent?
0: When it's like uh, winter and stuff, we kind of, um, so before uh, fruit and vegetables start to be in season and, and things, we go back to what we have in the pantry. So what okay. we preserved during the, the previous year. Yeah. So first of all, we we open the zakuska jars. So zakuska <laughs> is a dip with um, made with roasted aubergines and roasted peppers and tomatoes and onions. And you uh, first of all you char grill all of these elements, and then you bring them together and you slow cook them in a sort of um, kind of um, thick reduced sauce, uh, a dip if you like. We call it salata anyway. And we put those in jars and we put those in the pantry. And this is these are for Lent basically. So we eat those with bread. We also have a very very good dish made with. Um, butter beans or any white beans. Um, It's similar to a hummus, but made with uh, white beans. And uh, we put caramelized onions on top. Oh, nice. And sometimes people add a a bit of uh, tomato in in the onions and a bit of paprika. And it's a very nice topping to that butter bean. And it's very garlicky as well. So that is the, you know, the uh, key ingredient in this dip. So we eat those uh, we eat these butter bean dip when we don't have to uh, observe land, yeah. this butter bean dip with caramelized onions is also served with fried um, sausages <laughs> Oh nice yeah I know. classic
1: beans and sausages classic combination <laughs> I know I love
0: that yeah so all that and be, uh, because uh, when we need to cook vegan and dishes we actually long for different flavors in the yeah. dish so that's the thing. That's the key. It's forcing to you actually. to be
1: inventive, isn't it? It's really forcing you to think hard about. We want some, we want to be vegan or vegetarian, but we want it to be really delicious as well. So let's talk about your your second one because um, we were going to talk about a very classic Romanian ingredient, which is bors. Is it bors? bors
0: yes, bors. Yeah, um, but it's not borsht. It's borsh. It's bors, um and you know this is a fermented. This is the sour element yeah. in a lot of soups or broths. Uh, Borscht, first of all, is an ingredient. uh, We ferment with bran, uh, with some cornmeal. It's not not compulsory to put cornmeal. It's just in some region of Romania, you put cornmeal in it. But you uh, put water on top of this bran and cornmeal and you allow them to ferment. It takes a few days or a week, depends on the temperature and everything. And all that water ferments and takes. Uh, it's it's very tangy, uh, quite sour. Sometimes, if you ferment it for longer, and we use this juice yeah. to put in soups first of all. And every soup that uses this sour element is called borscht. So this is a bit confusing ah, because borscht is an ingredient. Okay, but borscht, borscht is an also a category of dishes. Yeah. So obviously we can have a lot of vegetables in, in a soup like yeah. this and at the borscht. So you don't always get the sweetness from the vegetables, but also the sourness and the tanginess from this uh, from this borscht. And it, you can imagine this is a, a very, in a way, creative way to, to cook because borscht will allow you to put any ingredients you have, any ingredients that you have in season, anything that you have in the garden, anything that you have in the fridge. And it's just a wonderful way of uh, of cooking and also keep, keep things vegetarian, if you like, and enjoy flavor.
1: Yeah, and extra layers of flavor. Because, you know, one of your points was um, about fermented foods, which are incredibly trendy at the moment, aren't they? Um, and you say that Romanians absolutely love to ferment things. Tell us a bit about that.
0: Yes, it's like it's a national sport when we start to ferment yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in the in Lots the of jars just lining, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So we do um, uh, obviously uh, fermented gherkins. So this means in brine, yeah. and not pickled gherkins with vinegar. So everything that's fermented needs to have the salt and the brine uh, added to it. So we love the fermented gherkins. We love the fermented green tomatoes that are not red, so not ready to eat. So they are picked uh, green and uh, we ferment them. Uh, We call them gogonele. They're absolutely delicious. They are also fizzy. They're just absolutely amazing to eat. (laughs) And um, we also, uh, we pickle peppers. So with uh, sometimes just vinegar, sometimes half brine, half vinegar, uh, we also stuff the peppers when we pickle them. We can stuff them with shredded cabbage, for instance. We love cauliflower, pickle cauliflower, but also fermented fruit as well. So quince is very nice to ferment and grapes and watermelon and cantaloupe. And so all of these pickles, all yeah. of these fermented uh, foods are served with meat but also served with vegetable and vegetarian and vegan dishes, especially for the flavor. Yeah. And especially for nutrition, because we know how nutritious they so good are when you. they are fermented. Yeah. Yes. And in this way, it's also very interesting uh, that we also cook with fermented ingredients. Okay. So we have a, a dish with fermented gherkins, like a stew in tomato sauce. Oh, nice. And it's absolutely delicious. And you can serve them with potatoes if you like, or we just eat this with bread. But in the UK here, I just put potatoes next to it or I can serve it with other, you know, rice. I think it works well, but also the same stew can be made with fermented um, tomatoes. So to- fermented tomatoes, tomato juice and all that. So really nice. And also a bit of garlic, a bit of dill. And we also have um, uh, sauerkraut with sausages, you know, uh, noodles with sauerkraut as well. Yeah. So it's 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 it just goes throughout goes uh, throughout the cuisine. Absolutely. So you we can use these fermented ingredients in actual dishes, and also this is because people, especially now in the winter, all they have are fermented ingredients. So would you
1: be would you be bottling fermenting in the in the late summer autumn to, to see you through the winter is that the or would yes. you be or would you be packing all, all the way through the the year uh,
0: i think we like seasonal things so when we have plenty of gherkins on the market then it's when we ferment them when we have plenty of um of these uh, green tomatoes yeah We ferment them. So it's a season, it's preserving the season, like we say here in the UK. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So we don't just go to this, perhaps nowadays when everything is available, we can actually say, okay, (laughs) I'll go and ferment some cucumber. But the thing is that we need gherkins, not cucumbers. So gherkins are not usually all the time in the shops. Cucumbers are, but they are different. And perhaps you can't really just ferment them like you ferment gherkins.
1: Talking of preserving, um, another way to preserve is smoking. And that's a huge tradition in Romania, isn't it? But um, I read not just meat and fish, but also fruit and cheese. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Well, we like the the smoky flavours in ingredients. And also we we cook with the smokiness. So if we smoke meat... Uh, pork ribs, smoked pork ribs, Go. they make a wonderful chorba, which is a a soup with tarragon. So tarragon in Romania is very popular, especially with smoky flavors. They just go together so well. But also because cold smoking is a way of preserving the food. Uh, We are a country of dairy as well, so we have a lot of cheese, so we smoke that cheese. So um, smoked cheese is absolutely delicious and also, again, adds flavor to dishes. Uh, and because also we have a lot of fruits in Romania, uh, we don't always just put them in a jam or confiture, dulcea, like we call it. Uh, but w- when we can, uh, we call smoke fruit. So um, uh, plums, yeah. Uh, When they are uh, dried, so prunes, they are also smoked and they make a wonderful pilaf. We put the smoked prunes in with rice and they make a wonderful pilaf, which is also um, vegan. So it's for lent. So it's a absolutely delicious dish, but in uh, in those regions where cherries are uh, uh, gr- growing and are popular, also they smoke uh, they smoke cherries, uh, pears as well. Smoke pears go in a very nice uh, soup with um, ham and butter beans. They you sound pears incredible.
1: In do you smoke them and do you say you you kind of dry them out and then smoke them as well? Is it so they're always sort of slightly. Uh, leathery or yeah.
0: I think the method is uh quite both at the same time, okay. perhaps. Uh, but they need to be, you know, first you need to extract the moisture from the yes. slices of fruit. Yeah. Whether you half them or slice them. Slice them, yeah. And then you kind of hang them in yeah. the attic, and all the smoke goes uh up in the attic. So traditional uh, some houses in different regions, yeah. houses didn't used to have a chimney because they wanted that smoke from the house <laughs> to go up in the attic and just smoke everything oh from sausages to <laughs> whatever they had in there. <laughs> so, and, um, you know, it's a wonderful way to preserve fruit and, um, yeah. and, and cheese and, uh, you know, smoke sausages and meat yeah. as well. A wonderful way to add flavor and to, to use in in dishes for variety. Hola. Hello, this call is being translated.
1: Abuela, listen to what my phone can do.
0: Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow, ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow,
1: now tell me about this new girlfriend.
0: Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier, thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer.
1: Ah, yes, the magnificent Trolley Sour Bright Crawler, also known as Trollicus Brightolus. The worm's captivating neon color makes it an easy gummy prey. Trolley! It's a surprisingly sour, invitingly chewy... Staggeringly snackable species unlike anything else found on this planet. Eat me. Delicious. Visit trolley.com to shop now.
0: Trolley, eat me. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local
1: store, like now. Go! Yeah, we were going to talk about polenta, weren't we? Because um, um, cornmeal or mamaliga, which you said is a, a porridge made out of cornmeal, but but also um, cornmeal appears in lots of different. I mean, you mentioned it before in the boss as the as part of the the ferment for the liquid, but it also appears in lots of different dishes.
0: Yes, I mean we eat cornmeal uh, with almost. Uh, every dish with everything uh it's very much part of uh romanian cuisine so you can have a cornmeal mush if you like a porridge in the morning with yeah. milk and jam or you can have uh, uh, cornmeal polenta ta- style with uh cheese and egg and sour cream it's very good uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> breakfast <laughs> like or brunch yeah it's delicious um you can have a cornmeal, um, I would say, savory cake, savory pie, yeah. uh, or bread, corn cornbread with uh, cheese and dill. This is a dish from Moldavia in Eastern Romania called Alivench. So it's a, a cornbread uh, with cheese and dill. Then we can have stuffed um, stuffed uh, cornmeal with cheese we can have layered cornmeal if you like <laughs> and you more more of it like lasagna in anyway. you yeah. you put different you put a layer of cornmeal then you put whatever filling you like cheese or a ragu anything and then put another layer of cornmeal and you repeat you know and then yeah. you put this in the oven and you create this wonderful dish uh, that you know you can eat on his own or as a starter depends um, and also, you know, cornmeal is a side dish for us. Everything comes with a, a sort of mamaliga. Um, we usually turn the polenta, the cornmeal, onto a wooden uh, chopping board and we allow it to cool. And when it cools, it's set so you can slice it oh, like slice you slice bread. Yeah, nice. And this is how we serve it. Does Romania produce cornmeal? I mean, is that why it's so popular? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I, the Ottoman Empire introduced the, uh, the maize, maize to to Europe uh, by um, having um, uh, commercial links with um, um, Veneti- Venetians and uh, Genoese uh, merchants. They brought it from the states, obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's not native to uh, Europe. Uh, and, uh, the Ottoman Empire introduced it to, uh, throughout the imp- empire and we had a very good climate for it, uh, and landscape for it. Uh, so we started to grow more and more of it and, uh, it became so popular that very, o- very often it was associated with poverty. I mean, you, if you ate cornmeal, it meant that you didn't have access to wheat to make bread. Uh, which, you know, I don't think, I think bread was still uh, across the country uh, a special occasion. And most of the time, especially leavened bread, and most of the time we ate flatbreads and, and cornmeal. And also because it was available for a while, because it was a new grain, it wasn't taxed. So obviously everybody started it's to say oh we'll yeah. do that was <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't have to pay, yeah. pay anything um and yes it it was um really um Uh, popularities. And also we have uh, a dish called, uh, with cornmeal, uh, uh, called uh, tach shingite. It means shut up and eat. (laughs) 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 Because it's served hot. Oh, really? So it's just like, yeah. And you (laughs) you need to actually eat it while (laughs) it's hot. So you shut up and don't talk and... (laughs) (laughs) Eat <laughs> I love
1: that. You were going to actually tell us a bit more about the, um, the superstitions and humour around
0: naming dishes, weren't you? Because there's quite a few of them. Yes, I mean, we have. Because uh, some of the some of the dishes are also traditional in a religious way, then there are a lot of superstitions as well uh, related (laughs) to to those special occasions. So, for instance, when we make kozonak, which is our festive uh, Christmas and Easter bread, um, it's filled with walnuts or with Turkish delight or um, or just with sugar. Um, And so when we make kozonak, then we need to make sure that um, we don't put the, the dough in, in a drafty place. We don't make a lot of noise in the house when the dough is rising. <laughs> uh, it's it's a lot. I mean, in, uh, in the countryside, um, I think you would have to wake up very early in the morning to sift the flour before the sunrise for this. So uh, all sorts of things. Um, And then make the sign of the cross on top of the bread before you put it in the oven three times. Uh, And so like a blessing. Yeah. Uh, So all all sorts related to Kozonak, which actually uh, scares a lot of people today when they don't want to try to make the Kozonak at home because of these superstitions. Can you imagine? They say, I can't, what if I don't do something that I should have known and I don't know and I should have done it and I actually ruin everything? And I'm like, no, it's just the bread, you know, just try (laughs) to look at things, you know, be practical about it. But so many people, you know, we actually, we grow up with these superstitions. They are part of the ritual of making this kozonak. They are quite fun. So, you know, we need to... We need to make it together at home and actually show our kids as well that there there are these superstitions. But the Romanian cuisine is not all about superstitions. It's also about a lot about this constant link between real life and real cooking. So, for instance, we have a popular dance in Romania, a folk dance in the countryside called Invertita. Invertita is two people kind of... um, swirl around one another I would okay. say you yeah. know they just in circles you kind of go uh, and invertita is also the name for a pie that is actually rolled rolled up and then swirled exactly like the dance like, like the, the dance. dance yeah so it's such a nice way to uh, name something after a uh, name a dish after yeah. a traditional or a custom yeah. from from let's say um, folk art or dances or songs as well or we also have and this is a recipe in tava in my second book uh, a pie called poale n'brew poale actually are, are the aprons that uh, the folk costumes for women um, are placed on top of a, a plain skirt and those aprons are usually uh, heavily decorated and they are quite heavy themselves. So uh, women, what they do to kind of um, gain a bit of freedom of movement when they do different, you know, tasks around the house and in the garden, they just um, lift the corners of this apron and tuck the corners uh, behind the belt around the waist. It's exactly like a, like a folding. Uh, movement from the bottom of the skirt. You lift the the corner of that apron and you tuck it behind the the belt. And this is exactly what you do when you fold those pies. You fold the corners towards the center. So in all four corners are uh, folded towards the center. They are filled with curd cheese. And so you fold the dough on top of the curd cheese and you bring them together in the middle. And because of this movement, the pies themselves are called lifted aprons or lifted skirts. (laughs) I love (laughs) that reference as well. That's great. (laughs) I've actually seen
1: the the recipe for that in the book as well. They look gorgeous. And they're made with a a kind of enriched dough, aren't they? Is
0: is that brioche dough, did you say? It is because it also has butter, it has milk. So it's along the lines of a sweet bread or brioche uh, because it has all these ingredients. It's a special pie uh, it used to be made at celebrations because it has all these enrich, enriching elements, uh, which uh, when you see that the recipe has more than just flour and water and sugar, yeah. then you think, oh, OK, so this must have been something very special. Very special. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's a very, very good pie. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more
1: about pie since we're on the subject, because um, there's so many beautiful recipes in the book, in, in Tava. In fact, you've got a whole chapter on there. A lot of them involving cheese, which makes me even happier. Um one thing I found really fascinating is a lot of pies, or you know, what you call pies in Romania, they're not enclosed, so you would have a top crust and a bottom crust, but no sides. Tell us a bit about, about those and about the different kinds of pies. Those are placinte.
0: And we also love to, you know, to use this endearing way to to talk about them, saying plecincele, so little pies. Okay. Even if they are not really little at all. <laughs> just like, so it's like a term of endearment. <laughs> yes, you kind of, because we love them so much. It's yeah. just so, oh, plecincele. But they're like proper pies. So yes, placinte in Romania are they only have a bottom layer and a top layer without the sides. And they are usually uh, served as a snack, so not necessarily a dessert at the end of the meal. Uh, they, don't, they are not served with any sauces, not vanilla sauce, nothing with them. So they are just baked, sliced and put on the table and yeah. you can just go in the kitchen and take a slice and eat it. And... So they're
1: quite solid.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. The filling is solid. Uh, the most famous ones are uh, placinta cumere apple pies and placinta cu brânză. Uh, cheese curd pie uh, with um, uh, sultanas or raisins and uh, you know the sugar or honey. Uh, it's um, these are two very popular ones, and you can also have uh, pumpkin pie when it's autumn and pumpkins are in season. Uh, we use the same recipe and we just uh, change the filling to it. But uh, placinta has a name. The uh, placinta comes from. Uh, from Latin uh, and from what they, the Romans used to bake as well. They used to bake placenta as well. And it's also, to be honest, it's in fact uh, a Greek name and the Greek uh, bake, placuos. And everything placuos, placinta means flat. Everything that is flat is a placenta. So therefore, sometimes even a strudel in Romania is called placenta, but we use phyllo pastry. And we roll it as a strudel as well, but in some regions it's still called a placinta because it is flat. And also like the curd cheese pies that we just uh, discussed, the poil and brew, they are called a placinta because in a the way they are flat. So They are not like tall like a cake or anything no. like that. So everything placinta pie is, is something that is flat. And also griddled, you can griddle placinta or, or fry them as well. So I have in Tava um, a griddle pie from Transylvania, uh, filled again with curd cheese and yeah. drizzled with with honey. Uh, and because it's flat, it's called a placinta. It's not called a bread flat bread. It's a placinta.
1: Yeah, because I think those were one one of the recipes we had in um, in Olive Magazine was was stuffed with curd cheese and it was. And it was you kind of rolled out the um dough and then you you brought in the sides to enclose the filling. Yes. And then that was griddled. But yeah, you call that placinta as well. I love that though. But obviously a huge love of pies and pie like things in Romania.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. That's why I yeah. said that. I discovered that a lot of things in common with British cuisine as well. Yeah. Because we here, <laughs> British people love yeah.
1: pies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Um you were going to also tell us about um, the importance of noodles and dumplings, which are like a massive comfort food, aren't they? But, um, but using them not just in savory things, but in lots of sweet ways too.
0: Yes, well, absolutely. Well, noodles, we call it toitzei uh, because we cut them really, you know, like finely and we put them in soups. But also we put them in a dessert, uh, toitzei kulapte, uh, noodles with milk. So think about rice pudding. That is the same method for the recipe, but you use noodles instead of rice. So it's exactly the same thing. And it's very comforting. But also we have um, pudding, um, uh, noodle pudding, which is sweet, Uh, budinga cu pudding uh, with curd cheese and again sultanas and noodles. And we bake that in the oven. And uh, I have a similar recipe in Tava. Uh, it's a, a Hungarian uh, recipe from Transylvania called Varga Beleš. And Varga Beleš is actually a, a sweet noodle pudding, but wrapped in filo pastry. Ooh. So uh, it's absolutely delicious. That sounds delicious. You think? Why should I put noodles in filo pastry? Well, why not? <laughs> why not? You know, there are a lot of dishes with rice and filo pastries in yeah. the world. So yeah. why not having a sweet version of yeah. a noodle pudding with with filo pastry with Love with it. um uh, like um cuz filo pastry is very popular not only in strudel but yeah. in in kind of pies like this. And it's the same with um With dumplings, but dumplings that, um, you know, the way we make semolina dumplings for uh, a chicken soup. So this is what I mean when I say dumplings. So we have uh, curd cheese dumplings that we uh, simmer in water. They are called papanash. They are in tava as well, the recipe. So we simmer the dumplings first and then separately in a separate pan, we um, cook uh, breadcrumbs in butter Uh, just until they are really like um, golden brown. And then you take the pan off the heat and you put caster sugar in there. And that caster sugar, because it doesn't get to melt the whole thing, it also brings texture to the dish. So we lift those dumplings from the, from the water when they are simmered and ready and cooked and we we'll put them in the breadcrumbs wow. and we roll them there. And this is a dish that is very quickly to make. It comes together really, really quickly. And you can also serve it with sour cream and jam. It
1: sounds and so good.
0: This, absolutely. <laughs> and this is also sour cream and jam. You can also serve it with donuts. Donuts, sour cream and jam papanash absolutely amazing dish
1: yeah so fantastic um you've touched on it all the way through the podcast but for your final point you were going to talk a bit about the incredible diversity of Romanian cuisine and I think in the book you call it a constellation of cultures which is a lovely phrase to say tell us a bit about all the different influences that that come to bear
0: Yes, well, I was thinking to mention this at the beginning as well, because when I say that in Romania we observe Lent the way yeah. we, you know, I, wanted re- I really wanted to mention also the fact that not everywhere in Romania people observe Lent in the same way. We are officially, uh, in the country, our official religion is Orthodox, Greek Orthodox as, as opposed to Russian orth- Orthodox. So um, and that is our official religion for the country. But in Romania, we have 20 different ethnic groups that live there. So, and large enough to have representation in the government. So we have 18 of them, they have representation in the government. So that is not only, those are not only Orthodox groups, uh, but also Catholic groups as well. And all the dif- all the different other subgroups, I would say, from different religions. And... Um, They all celebrate in their own way. Luckily, for instance, the Catholics don't, when they observe Lent, they are allowed to eat um, butter, uh, so dairy and eggs. They are not allowed to eat meat, as opposed to the others like us, uh, Orthodox, who don't eat any of that. So (laughs) luckily for them, they eat something. Yeah. Uh, so we have an incredible ethnic diversity, and this is because of our history and also that history, a very diverse history, uh, also uh, influenced by the position of the country on the map. So where we were really at the crossroads of three super um, empires. So basically on today's Romania, on the today's territory of Romania, we had... Uh, habsburg empire that ended in transylvania that was the the border i would say the carpathian mountains across the carpathian mountains you had the ottoman empire southern and eastern romania was under ottoman influence and also eastern romania you had the russian empire when they really started you know 18th century 19th century to expand at all costs so uh if you really wanted to live in all three empires at the same time, you had to come to today's Romania. <laughs> so you can imagine yeah, all that history is reflected in the cuisine. And all those uh, communities that migrated or settled in Romania through all these centuries are... Uh, still live here and create and have created this cuisine that comes together as a national cuisine, but is actually formed of, you know, like a mosaic, different little, you know, elements. Uh, and also there is a lot of uh, I- cultural exchange in this cuisine. Imagine you have a, a village, a of, of Serbian village or Armenian uh, village uh, next to a Romanian village, next to a Hungarian village and so on. You can't keep things in isolation when every everyone is your neighbor.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there are
0: all sorts of contaminations, I would say, in a very good way. And this needs to be discovered. And this is how I started to and why I also started to write my books, because people don't know that those things about Romania and I think this is the most important and most beautiful thing about Romanian culture, perhaps more than the cuisine itself. So I want to tell that story through food. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you do in your book Tava, I which which I've got in front of me. Um, the storytelling's amazing and the history, the way you describe it, it's it's really easy to kind of to grasp as well. So it's not like some dry history, it's all weaved through recipes and stories and I think that really brings it to life like I said but thank thank you so much for coming to chat to us Irina um what what do you have coming up
0: this year what are you what are you up to I have different events food festivals cookery courses as well uh it's basically now I need to promote the book uh all year long you know I have I have absolutely uh, (laughs) you know publishing a book is not the end of the journey it's the beginning of the journey so (laughs) Yes, a uh, very busy year.
1: I mean, it is It is out now in hardback. It's called Tava Eastern European Baking and Desserts from Romania and Beyond. And that's available in all good bookshops and online. Um, where can people keep up with what you're doing?
0: Where's the best place? Social media. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And also I have a website where I put news about um, what I do, cookery courses, as I said, and also uh sometimes about uh, traveling to Romania if you really want to plan your holiday you can definitely follow my uh, Instagram account and social media account because I put a lot of images from Romania there and also where you can uh, where you can book and where you can stay uh, without using the major <laughs> companies online yeah. but local companies
1: Oh, that's great I didn't, didn't realise that so your, your website's arenagiorgescu.com and we can put the, the address for that in the notes um, but thank you so much for coming to chat to us today it's been an absolute pleasure it's been a pleasure thank you so much thank you for listening to the Olive Podcast for recipes and more information head to olivemagazine.com do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats hacks and shortcuts And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.